0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Houston, we have a podcast. Diving, diving, diving deep, deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast. And Pro Football Hall of Famer, The
1: General, Sean McClain. W- w- welcome, welcome, welcome to Utopia. Talk to you. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast. Week 9 is here. We are ready to preview the Texans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Take a look at some other things going on around the NFL as we head into what should be a great weekend of football. Uh, I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, mornings 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. You can listen on the Odyssey app if you so choose uh, or listen on terrestrial radio. People do that these days as well. And I'm joined as always by my good friend, the Hall of Famer. He is our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, very, very happy day to you. How are you, my friend?
2: I'm doing great as always, Sean. Thank you for asking.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got week nine here, John. I can't believe we're halfway through this season already. This will be uh, this will be game number eight for the Houston Texans. The season's flying by right now.
2: Texans need to win their favorite over Tampa if they lose again. It's going to be a huge disappointment. Lost the last two on field goals with no time left the Buccaneers are reeling with three losses in a row so Texans should win this game
1: yeah two and a half point favorite and you're right John the this game is I mean look the Texans are going to be in a bunch of games that are where the spread is probably three or under for the rest of the season one way or the other that's just how the season's going to go which is great progress from the last two years when they were routinely double digit underdogs in almost every game, not almost every game, but way too many games, double digit underdogs. Um, so yeah, this this is a big swing. This is a big difference between three and five and four and four at this stage of the season, especially considering who's on tap in week 10, a resurgent Cincinnati Bengals team.
2: Automatic loss. So they, oh,
1: that's right. I forgot. Yeah. So they got to win this weekend, John, or they're going to be three and six for yeah, sure, they don't according want to, to be you.
2: Three and six might get closer to that six, six and 11 prediction, but they should beat the Buccaneers. You know, they, they could have beaten Atlanta, they could have beaten Carolina, and they should beat Tampa because they're home. And uh, it's just amazing uh, how much they've improved. So we're disappointed when they lose instead of just,
1: eh. Yeah, no, they're they're playing relevant games, and the scoreboard watching each weekend now is fun because they're right in the mix with all those other teams that are jockeying for position for wild card spots. The division is starting to get a little out of reach here. They do play Jacksonville in week 12, so who knows? Things A lot of things can happen between now and then, um, but we'll worry about week 12 when we're done with week 11. Right now, it's week nine, and we got the Bucs. And John, as always, before every Texans game, we preview it by doing the... Pre-game six-pack, six uh, six people, players, storylines, position groups, whatever the case, that are going to impact this game on Sunday. Game at noon, by the way, on Sunday. You can hear it on Sports Radio 610. Texans Countdown starts at 9 a.m. That would be me and Seth Payne on Texans Countdown. John, let's get to the six-pack, and as always, the honor is yours.
2: Thank you, John. Uh, One of the things the Texans have been doing a great job of stopping the run, and they were the worst in the NFL over the last three years. They gave up 170 yards last season, 5.1 a carry. Now they're giving up 3.6 a carry. They're giving up 99 yards, and they're 11th. And what's amazing about this, over the last five games, they're giving up 91.8 and 3.4 a carry. Over the last three games, 76.3 and 2.7. The Bucs don't run the ball well. They're 30th. They averaged 77.9 yards rushing. So the idea, shut down the run, force Baker Mayfield to pass, get after him like they did uh, Bryce Young. And then something they didn't do in Carolina, they didn't force turnover. They got to help the offense Offense passed and has been struggling. They got to get a couple of turnovers, shorten the field to put the offense in good position. But I think the defensive improvement and in this game has got to start with stopping the run again.
1: Yeah, the quarterbacks are going to probably decide this game, and we'll get into them, I'm sure, as we go through this six-pack. But along those lines, John, as poorly as Tampa Bay has been running the football and as well as the Texans have been defending it, my first one is going to be the flip side to that, the Texans running the football against Tampa Bay's defense. And looking at it more from a Texans perspective, as you and I are recording this, um, Damian Pierce missed practice on Wednesday with an ankle injury. I don't know what his status was or is for practice today. They may be on the practice field now as you and I are talking. Um, but the it, it sounded like at least some of the rumblings were that he could miss the game on Sunday. John, I actually, I'm not, I'm not terribly disappointed by this. I'm disappointed because I like Damian Pierce and he's a good football player. No question about that but I started thinking about, okay, why am I not as as upset about Damian Pierce possibly missing a game for the Texans as I know I would have been this time last year, like super upset. And it's John, because his backup this year is not.
2: Uh, Rex bleeping bird. Gag. Thank
1: you, John. Yes. Yeah. The drop-off from Damian to the next running back is not nearly as stark. health. some would argue that there is no drop-off between Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary. So, My my item in the six pack is how do these carries get doled out with or without Damian Pierce? How do they get doled out? Because even Mike Boone on the couple times he touched the ball last week did some good things. But I'm intrigued to see if there is no Damian Pierce, what does this offense look like with Devin Singletary probably getting the lion's share of the carries and Mike Boone as the change of pace third down guy? Um, That intrigues me, and I and and I think there's a chance the Texans might actually run the football a little bit better. We'll see. But I'm not nearly as as I don't have nearly the agita I would have last year if we were missing Damien. If you're missing Damien Pierce last year, there goes your run game completely. Um, run game's not been great this year. So if this shakes it up a little bit, then so be it. Let's see what happens.
2: I'm guessing that Pierce is going to be out. Singletary will start. Boone will get carries. And this time next week, we'll be going, man, I'm glad Damien Pierce is back. They can't run because the run blocking up front is awful. They lead the league in having a guy in the backfield. Uh, quicker than anybody in the league anybody wow. in the nfl now they're going to have more changes in their offensive line laramie tunzel could be out with a knee injury josh jones been running first team left tackle that's scary michael dieter is the center i don't know when's the last time he started center it wasn't last season with the dolphins because he didn't do anything but play special teams and uh elias sports bureau sent me an interesting stat yesterday that uh, going back to 1960, C.J. Stroud and Jarrett Patterson, the only rookie combo to start the first seven games, hmm. those two. But that, that streak is over because Patterson is out with a fractured fibula and could may miss the rest of the – probably going to miss the rest of the season. So, And we have no idea when Juice Grugs is coming back from his hamstring injury. So I think they're going to struggle big time to run the ball. Not to mention the bugs are good against the run, giving up 98 yards and ranking tenth.
1: Yeah, this Scruggs hamstring. This is like the most debilitating hamstring injury I've ever <laughs> seen on an athlete. This is we're we're going on almost three months with a hamstring injury. What are we doing? This is kind of like last
2: year with Derek Stingley Jr. Missed nine games with it. He
1: did. He did. But that was just, it. Was the last nine games, and it, that was one of those things. I almost felt like they were. Uh, you know, the, the the importance of those nine games, John, I think it's undebatable. Like those were just, you know, those, they were throwaway games. Uh, but you're right. And I mean, Stingley's a whole nother. That's a and whole those other games wise.
2: were important
1: for him. Uh, Yeah, probably. But you're right. Was. From an experience standpoint. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. All right. What's next?
2: I've got to go with CJ's trial. There's all these stats out there about how his performance has been dwindling. Over the last three or four games, because teams have figured out what he was doing well, now Bobby slowing trying to have to figure out how to adjust. It would help if they have a running game, which they don't. Even though in the last four games, their their rushing has improved over what it was, but it's still it's it's still bad. We see it, but I think they're like 25th in rushing now, which is amazing to me. Other teams are having more problems than they are, but it's hard for Stroud to do better when he has no running game. And Bobby Sloe continues to run on first down. There's nothing surprising the defense, putting Stroud in bad situations. At that game in Carolina, Stroud was off target on a lot of passes, more than he has been. And also it was his worst game when he was blitzed. Todd Balls is known as a creative blitzer, so I'm guessing he's going to come after Stroud from every angle and try to show him things that he hasn't seen.
1: John, I'm actually that's kind of music to my ears honestly that they blitz. Well, first of all, they blitz the third most in the league, but they're 31st in QB pressure. So, regardless of the fact that they're blitzing, they're not getting home the buccaneers are. So, they blitz a lot, but they're not that great at getting the quarterback on the ground. That needs to be pointed out. And CJ's had games where he hasn't been sacked with with much worse offensive lines than the one he's probably going to be playing but like talent-wise worse than the one he's going to be playing behind. I'm kind of assuming Laramie's playing only because he, he missed Wednesday – he misses Wednesday practice every week. Are you hearing something different about Laramie, John? It sounds like you think he might miss this game, but he mm-hmm. missed Wednesday practice the last couple weeks.
2: He's got a recurring knee issue that bothers him. Yeah. it's not going to get better when you're playing.
1: Right. Um, but as far as CJ goes, well, Tampa Bay's defense blitzes a lot but isn't good at getting pressure. And C.J.'s passer rating against the Blitz this year so far is 117. Like, he tears up teams that blitz him. I'd much rather see a blitzing team, John, than these teams that they played the last three weeks that are just sitting back in these, in these zone shells and making C.J. get agita about throwing the ball down the field. So um, I, I'm actually okay with playing the Bucks. We'll see. I mean, not every Blitz is, is executed the same. As you mentioned, Bulls does some exotic stuff out there. But I'm kind of glad that there's a chance he's not seeing the same style of defense that he's seen the last few weeks.
2: The trend for Stroud is his Raiders rating has gone down every week over the last five weeks. And uh, one of the things like Carolina didn't blitz a lot, but when they did, he was bad against it, which makes that statistic you just read even more impressive. But he's got to be able to bounce back and have a good game. And a lot of that's up to Bobby Slowett.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Yeah, I'm going to use Bobby Slowik here along those lines, John, in mind. It, it, the, you touched on it. I'll dig into it a little bit deeper and you saw the same chart I did. We may have even talked about this on the last episode, but this is the first actual game that we're talking about here where this changing this trend could be relevant, but the Texans are, uh, they pass the second least amount. The 31st most they pass on early downs, first and second down in games when the games are still hanging in the balance. You know, it's not a blowout one way or the other. Win, win probability is somewhere between 20 and 80%. They pass the ball as much on first or second down as the Cardinals and the Giants and teams like that do. Like, literally, those are the two teams that sandwich the Texans in the rankings. The team quarterback by Josh Dobbs, who just got traded for a bag of chips, and the team quarterback by some combo poo-poo platter of Daniel Jones, Terod Taylor, and now, I guess, Tommy DeVito. So the, And you look at the names of the quarterbacks that are down in that area of those standings for, for how infrequently they throw on first and second down, it's all bad quarterbacks. The guys up in the top 10 or 12, they're all good quarterbacks. CJ's a good quarterback. He deserves to be passing in that neighborhood, that amount on early down. So Bobby Slowick needs to do more things to, to help CJ Stroud stay out of bad down and distance situations where those blitzes really become super problematic when it's third and eight or third and 10, as opposed to third and short. And the run game is still something you can use to attack a defense like Todd Bowles defense. So this is a – I've said this a couple times this year, but I'm going to say it again here. This is a Bobby Slowick game. Bobby Slowick needs to change some things that he's been doing in terms of the, 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 the makeup of his play calling.
2: One of the things I'd like to see more of, remember early in the game against Carolina when they ran a bootleg, mm-hmm. everybody went to the right, Stroud rolled around the left and ran yeah. for, I think, 12 yards, and he slid. Yeah. He didn't get hit. I'd like to see more of that. And once he can do it, that's going kind to of hold players. And they used to work so well for Gary Kubiak when he'd make those calls for Matt Matt Schaub. And if Matt Schaub can do it, of course, Stroud can do it. But I think we'll see we Slowing be a little more creative than he has been since what he's been doing lately has not
1: worked. No, I mean, this, uh, John, the, the way they treat first and second down is very Bill O'Brien-ish, and that's not a compliment at all. Um, <laughs> so uh, – so yeah, i'm 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 hopeful of that as I'm hopeful of that as well. I'll say one thing too, John, about CJ, if he's gonna run those little 12, 13 yard little bootleg runs, um, he needs to learn how to slide. he He dove on his right shoulder to kill the play. like it's that's the shoulder he was playing hurt with earlier this year. let's 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 learn how to at least if you're gonna roll, stop drop and roll, CJ, roll on the left shoulder, not the right shoulder next time what uh
2: take him over to Minute Maid Park and let them show him out there
1: you go there you go what's your last one John
2: my last one is the pass rush because they shut down the Panthers limited them to 44 yards rushing and it's interesting going back to the Indianapolis game every game they've allowed fewer yards rushing than the previous game which means they'd have to limit the Buccaneers to fewer than 44 and one of the reasons they were able to get such great pressure, six sacks, two more call back because of penalties. Jonathan Grenard should have had three-and-a-half instead of two-and-a-half. I think they'll shut down the run again, and I think that pass rush will get after Baker Mayfield, who's mobile, and I think uh, you'll see Grenard and will Anderson Jr. Don't know if Malik Collins can do it again, but if they can get the kind of heat they got on Sunday, they might actually force a couple turnovers, but I look for the pass rush to make to continue, maybe not six sacks, but continue to uh, show remarkable improvement from the previous six games.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you watched the Buccaneers game against the Bills on Thursday night. That was the night that we were out at the Yellow Rose Distillery. So if you watched it, John, you probably had to watch it on the replay. Uh, no, I
2: didn't watch it.
1: Yeah, I went back and watched it just to because the Texans play the Bucks this weekend. I want to see. Buffalo got a lot of pressure up the middle in the interior, and but I mean Buffalo sacked Baker three times. They hit him ten times, and a lot of it, a lot of it came from the defensive interior. So I'm I'm enthusiastic. I'm excited. I think I think this could be another big game for Malik Collins, and maybe uh, maybe Sheldon Rankins too for the Texans. I
2: got one other thing to add. The Texans are giving up 18.3 points a game. Mm-hmm. That's tied for I think fourth. The last three years, they gave up 26.7. So that's an improvement of like 8.4 points a game. And it's just a, a remarkable stat. And if they could keep that pace, they would have the second fewest points allowed in franchise history to 2011. Wade Phillips and J.J. Watts first seasons with the franchise.
1: Total points or average points per game? Average points per game. Okay. So that would be the lowest. Yeah. Cause they play 17 games. Now it's hard to break those counting number records like right. that. Uh, um, but, uh, well, that'd be good, man. Yeah. D'Amico's done an amazing job with that defense. No question about it. All right. Along those lines, last one, John, for me, um, and for the six pack, the corners, Steven Nelson, and I'm assuming it's going to be Shaquille Griffin starting a corner for the Texans. This'll be the best pair of frontline wide receivers that this team will have faced this season they faced some decent ones you know Jacksonville uh you know Calvin Ridley and uh and and Christian Kirk you throw Zay Jones in there that's a nice combination right there but as far as like the top two guys that are going against your top two corners um this this might be a game where they miss Derek Stingley Jr quite honestly because Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are the best pair of wide receiver ones that the Texans will have faced this year. So it's a big game for Shaquille Griffin, big game for Steven Nelson to continue to build on what's been a really good contract year for him. Um, I will have my eyes on the Texans' corners. Hopefully that pass rush that you were doling out in the previous bottle of the six-pack here does them some favors on the back end. And obviously the safeties play into that as well, Jimmy Ward and uh, and Jalen Petrie.
2: They better double Evans and make Godwin or somebody else beat them. Because yeah. Evans is just fantastic. He's a beast. The, yeah. Last year of his contract, I just can't imagine they're going to let him get away. Because if they're not very good now, imagine what they'd be without Evans.
1: Yeah, no doubt. All right, John, um, what's your prediction for the game?
2: I'm picking Texans 20-17. to
1: 17. Okay, I got Texans 24-20. So you, are, you and I are pretty much on the same page. We got the Texans winning and covering those are the two most important things right there maybe not even necessarily in that order depending on how big a degenerate you are Man, um and by you i don't last mean week you. too yeah yeah i know i said thirty-one nineteen. i was a little off I've, I'm, I'm due i'm due for a bounce back john big bounce back performance <laughs> in my degenerate gambling all right um so uh so john and i are both picking a close texans win if that's the case should be a hell of a day Out at NRG Stadium. Weather's supposed to be beautiful, so hope to see you guys out there. If You're tailgating. Stop by the uh, pregame show, southeast corner of the stadium, kind of outside Bud Light Plaza is where you'll find me. You'll find Seth Payne, and at 1115, you'll find John McClain out there chopping it up with me and Seth prior to the game. John, you want to do some for real or fugazis? Let's do it. All right, For Real or Fugazi, we do this segment on every Thursday episode, the final episode of each week. We do it to lay out some Texans storylines, some NFL storylines, and we dip outside of football from time to time as well. The way the segment works is I read a sentence to John. If John agrees with it, he says it is for real. If John disagrees, he thinks that what I just said is silly, stupid, or false. He says Fugazi. Fugazi. It's Italian for counterfeit, fake, or you're stupid, Sean. Uh, so let's get to that. Uh, let's start with the Texan ones. John, as we know, CJ Stroud made some comments on Sunday about the Texans offense needing to be more explosive. Almost it seemed like kind of questioning play calling, possibly, um, with Bobby Slowick. That's how it was taken, at least by some in the media. They asked CJ about those comments in his Wednesday press conference this week. John for real or CJ Stroud was calling out Bobby Slowick.
2: Fugazi, because he said in the same answer, didn't have anything to do with the play calls and of course it did but i was i listened i don't think that's the way man it the problem is when you, you can't just do something because you want to do it you got to do it based on the coverage and if they're playing back you got to learn to throw in front of him you got to hit those crossing routes to nico collins more than throwing the ball down the field he's got to throw the ball better shorter
1: John, I like that. I, I think D'Amico Ryan's is creating a culture and an environment where guys are allowed to be honest with stuff like this. You know, where they're they're, and I'm not saying CJ was calling out Bobby Slug, but I think CJ was pretty unvarnished in his comments. He was pretty raw in his comments compared to what we've seen from other quarterbacks under other head coaches here. I can't imagine Davis Mills saying some of the things CJ has said in some of these press conferences. Um, and so I I like it. I Bobby Slowick was on Adam Schefter's podcast this week. Like, when was the last time we thought? A that the organization would let their OC do Adam Schefter's podcast, and B that they've had an OC who's actually interesting enough where we want to hear what he has to say on Adam Schefter's podcast. I I, I love the just the change in the overall vibe of this team, not only on the field but just the way that they the way they seem to be handling the forward facing aspect of the organization. If that makes no, sense,
2: we've got a lot of guys doing national shows led led by D'Amico.
1: Yeah, it's been great. I think it's I think it's been really, really good. It's been great for content, no doubt about that. Um, John, uh, it looks like Titus Howard is going to start at left guard again this week, at least according to some of the footage that surfaced from uh, the time where the media is allowed to shoot uh, footage at practice this week. For real or fugazi, Titus Howard at left guard is malpractice.
2: Oh, boy. I'm going to say uh, Fugazi again because Gazi. they want the best ones on the field. George Fant is playing. Sucks at left well.
1: guard, John.
2: And so then do you bench Titus, get him off the field? Because if you move Titus back to right tackle, then who do you put at left guard? And so I think if your idea is to get the five best on the field, you got to have him there. But if your her idea is to – weak in a position and put somebody else at left guard, they might be actually worse than Titus.
1: Yeah. I just, you know, I think what we're learning is like we we're treating offensive line positions. Like they're all the same in that respect. Then you know what I mean? Like if we're saying, we just got to get our best five guys out there. Okay. Well, you got your five most talented offensive linemen out there, but like Titus Howard as a left guard is not the same person as Titus Howard, the right tackle. And that's the truth. Yeah. It's, it's bad to me. Oh, well, um, all right, let's see. Do I have any? Those are my two Texan ones. How about this one, John? Uh tonight, the Titans play the Steelers in Pittsburgh. I'm I'm actually very excited to watch that game tonight, by the way, to get first look at Will Levis, who had uh, a huge week last week for the uh for the Titans. Um, so uh Will Levis is gonna be the starting quarterback again. Uh John, if Will Levis stays healthy for real or Fugazi, Ryan Tannehill has started his last game as a Tennessee Titans.
2: Absolutely. Mike Vrabel says it'll be Ryan Tannehill when he's healthy. Tannehill's done a really good job of helping Levis and uh, people in Nashville are going crazy. I do two shows up there every week. And as I pointed out, didn't Marcus Mariota do that too? Throw four Did you point touchdowns? that out to
1: them, John, when you're oh, on yeah. up there? And they're nice like,
2: yeah. And I said, see, you got to pump the brakes a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mike Domlin is not going to let DeAndre Hopkins catch two long touchdown passes yeah. they just won't and it was a great debut by Levis 130 rating he was tremendous he should play the rest of the season they should never see Danny Hill again he's gone after this season and uh, but people the expectations now are so high and that would just be unfair especially going against a coach like Mike Tomlin
1: um yeah, tonight might be a wake up call for for Will Levis. This, you know, night game, primetime game in Pittsburgh. Um, I'm very, very interested to watch this
2: game. Me today. too. But if he does that right. again, not four, but say he throws two and no interceptions,
1: yeah, then everybody is
2: really going to have to take notice
1: for sure, absolutely. And and you know what, John? Then week 15 and 17 with the Titans and the Texans get really, really interesting. You know that that those become. Those become must-see games later in the season, if that's the case. If Will Levis is the real deal, and we know what's uh, are,
2: happened when uh, CJ Stroud goes against other rookie quarterbacks, got beat by Anthony Richardson, got beat by Bryce Young.
1: Okay, well, John, that's just you're just a big spoil sport right now. So why are you reminding me of that? That's uh, but you're right. They are. He's zero two. I didn't even think about that. I forgot about Anthony Richardson. Just uh, in in uh, in week two. Um, all right, John, Josh McDaniels fired for the second time in his career, fired partway through his second season as a head coach. Matt Patricia fired. Bill O'Brien fired. Uh, Brian Flores fired. Romeo John? Romeo
2: Cornell fired.
1: Romeo Cornell fired. John Ferrela-Fugazi, the Patriot way is dead.
2: Eric Mangini fired. Yeah. Absolutely, the Patriot way is dead. That's the Brady way. You look back, Tom Brady made a lot of people look really good. Mm-hmm. And if you stretch it, uh Ziegler just got fired as general manager. Yeah. He came and now Casario, John Robinson was fired during his season last year, Jason Light at Tampa Bay, and and Nick Casario with the Texans. They're two of the few who are still working who came out of that organization as general manager. Scott Pioli was the first. He got fired at Kansas City. He's in TV. So the coaches and the GMs who came out of there, in other words, stay away from the Patriot way.
1: Austin Fort is a Patriot guy too, is he not, John? Didn't he? Uh, he is. My,
2: he was with the Texans twice before yep. he was with the Patriots. But yes, he came out of the Patriots. He's with Arizona. So the odds are, in a couple of years. He's going to be fired too.
1: Well, if he gets fired, then he's a patriot problem. If he goes on to be successful, he's part of the many, many uh fruits from the <laughs> Texans', Texans tree. robust tree. Yes, absolutely. The absolutely. Charlie Casserly tree. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's right. D'Amico Ryan's isn't a Kyle Shanahan fruit from the tree, he's a uh Charlie Casserly. Char- Charlie Casserly drafted him in 2006. He sure did. He gets credit for it. Um, all right. Two more, John. Um, the Astros are ongoing or the Astros have an ongoing managerial search. We know that. We've seen some names pop up in the rumor mill. Craig Council, a few others. They're they're undergoing a long search. But John, for real or Fugazi, this is really just the Joe Spada, Joe Espada invitational.
2: Fugazi, I think uh, I'd love to see it be Espada, who's had six interviews and hadn't gotten a job. Not as many as Eric Bienemy. I read today, Bienemy's had 16 interviews. So Espada would be a very popular guy to continue the stability. Dana Brown did a news conference on uh, Wednesday, and I read the stories in The Athletic and uh, MLB.com and in The Mm -hmm. Chronicle. And all of them said they're going really slow compared to the other teams. Now, maybe slow means they ultimately will go with Joe Espada, who's been their bench coach since Alex left. Um, I know a lot of people would like to see that. Milwaukee Journal says Craig Counsel, who's the best prospect out there, Astros are interested in him, but they haven't interviewed anybody. But if I was taking a spot against the field and Dana Brown to be in the new GM, I and, and Brown will hire, Bagwell will not, and yep. Crane will sign off on it. I'm thinking it's the field over a spot.
1: Okay, interesting. Interesting. I mean, I I mean, for look for one guy to be favored over everybody else, it would have to be a pretty, pretty substantial uh, lead that he has on the pack. And I guess the lead that he does have is they know him already, you know, and then hopefully for him, for his sake, hopefully that's a a positive. It seems like he's very well liked in the building over there. All right. Last one. Yeah. Last one, John. Um, Bobby Knight passed away yesterday at the age of 83. Very accomplished, but very controversial. Um, complicated is a word that has been used quite a bit in the last 24 hours to describe Bobby Knight. Uh, John Ferilla for, for Gazi, Bobby Knight was just misunderstood.
2: Fergazi, he was a jerk, could be a jerk, and he didn't care who knew it. He hated the media. One of his quotes I remember reading most of us learn to write for the seventh grade, and then we go on to better things. And uh, there's a great column uh, in the Indianapolis Star written by a longtime sports editor at the Bloomington paper who was really good friends with him, and I read every word. Mm -hmm. It told me all kind of things about Knight behind the scenes that he did that he didn't want people to know that he did. It was just outstanding. He was a great coach, flawed personality. He didn't care. If he didn't like something, he told people he didn't like it. He had a terrible temper, but I think history will remember him more for his greatness as a coach than his controversy because of his temper.
1: Yeah. He, amazing results would not have functioned well in the new era of collegiate Ooh. athletics. I don't think, I don't Ooh. think, I don't, I don't think, think
2: the, you would either.
1: I don't think the transfer portal and NIL would have been up Bobby Knights. <laughs> Just a guess. <laughs> Just a guess. Um, all right, John, good stuff. Um, we, um, we have got uh little Texans countdown. It'll be the next time I see you on uh, Sunday morning at uh, 1115 out by the stadium.
2: And we'll do our next uh, our next Utopia football podcast after the game on Sunday night.
1: Yes, hopefully victorious. John, I enjoyed it as always.
2: Thank you, Sean.
1: All right, good stuff. That's the great John McClain. Of course, big thanks to James Jackson, our producer uh, who gets this podcast out to you guys in a timely fashion, does a great job, helps with all our clips that go up on social and things like that. James, is the uh, he's the behind-the-scenes engine that makes this thing go. We appreciate him very, very much. So uh, let me remind you, Click that subscribe button. Wherever it is you're getting your podcast. however is you're listening to this, you can get it automatically if you subscribe. That's the easiest thing to do. Uh, it helps us. It helps you. We're all in this to help each other, and we're all in this to hopefully see the Texans win some more football games starting on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, for Kane Jackson, I'm John and I am Sean Pendergast. We're out of time. We will see all of you on Sunday evening uh, following the Texans and the Bucks at NRG Stadium. Week 9 coming up. Uh, this weekend. Have a great, great weekend, everybody.